This podcast is sponsored by Uncanna, trusted natural solutions. Uncanna is a leading voice of advocacy for CBD in the veteran LEO and federal communities. Veteran owned and operated, the Uncanna team is actively fighting for DOD access to CBD with political pressure, community support, and a simple message. Hashtag OpNatural. Uncanna is vertically integrated with industry leaders from seed to sell, supplying premium small batch products to America's best. Use code Mentors the number four MIL at checkout at uncanna.com to receive your amazing discount. Read the Mentors for Military disclaimer at mentorsformilitary.com slash disclaimer. All right, so Blaze, I want to go back to a conversation that we had a couple of weeks ago regarding our childhoods, because I think we started talking about something very similar. And, um, you know, I grew up with a military father. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but it was a very disciplined time frame. I can tell you that, you know, if uh, you were to even say, yeah, you know, you almost got a slap on the back of the head because yeah, wasn't the appropriate response. It was supposed to be yes, sir. And uh, so I think it started instilling in me as well, kind of this whole thing about uh, being driven and, you know, being the best at everything you did. And, you know, if you um, quit something, quitting wasn't an option, you know, with him. It was, um, you know, you're a failure. You need to do better and those types of things. And it was a long time after that, that uh, I was an adult where I really started coming into understanding why I was the way I was. And that was something you and I were talking about at that time frame. So you grew up in St. Pete. I don't know if you, you mentioned whether or not you came up in a military family or not. Yeah. So my, uh, my grandparents actually, uh, raised me. Okay. Um, and, uh, and Robert, Hey, first off, thanks again for, for allowing me to be on the, uh, show, the, uh, the cast. It's, um, it's interesting. A couple weeks ago when we started this conversation, you know, it was just like, it was digging stuff up. You know, and and uh, and I, even after I got on the phone with you, I kind of just paused and and thought for a second, right? And you were like, "No, no, no, we don't get into it too much." But uh, <laughs> yeah. I am, uh, you know, this this will this will be. I, I think uh, it'll just be good to connect today and share in the conversation. And and uh, and I love the, you know, the topic of being driven, right? Where does that come from? Where does that source come from? But uh, but yeah, as far as is my family, um, my grandfather, um, I I grew up with my with actually my my uncle in the house and then also my um my grandfather and my my grandmother and uh he was in the marine corps uh he actually was he actually didn't even finish his first enlistment but but he never stopped being a marine i'll just say that right oh, yeah. like yeah. that was just always his his attitude and um um and it, it really was i think it was a fraction of, of, of or a, a a big time lens that defined how we how we thought but but it, much of it was old time values that he had anyway, right from his own dad yeah, and a very, very structured, disciplined home. And, um, and, you know, through it's, it's kind of interesting as, as, as I grew older and as I became a dad and a husband and, and kind of reflected on the things, you know, that I saw growing up, um, I started to process things, you know, a little bit differently too, but, but yeah, absolutely. It was, it was very, very high expectations. It was, expectations that I could never touch. 
Um, and, uh, and it, and it really did, I think in a way when I came, when I came in the military myself, I was trying to probably not do it for me, but I was trying to prove something uh, to them. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. And then we started going down the, the conversation on because it was probably, uh, you know, a time frame where I think I hit my lowest low in terms of I, I was checking out, really climbing the corporate ladder. You know, at that time frame, I was an executive in a Fortune 50 company with a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. And I was driven at that time frame to, you know, my goals at that time were to be an executive vice president, to be a CEO one day, or, you know, at least that's some of the things that I had thought. And, you know, I started hitting some lows there and didn't realize I had lost my passion and my purpose. And I was being driven towards the wrong things in my life, you know. So, you know, and I, I've shared this in other podcast shows that after I left, um, my son-in-law was in the car with me and, and we just had a, you know, general casual conversation. He goes, it's good to have you back. And I go, what do you mean? He goes, you know, you've been mm -hmm. gone for a while. And, you know, that's where I understood that driven can be a good thing, but yet driven can also be um, a really bad thing. And especially like we're talking about here, if you have the ability to influence others, whether you're in a leadership role or you're a parent, you could be driving people in, in maybe a way that's not going to be healthy in the long term. Yeah, big time. Um, and it's just it's crazy how life works, right? Like you wish you knew that when you were younger. Yeah. Um, like the things that you're driven and chasing and the things you think will prove something. Um, but the, really the thing you're after, you know, and I share that with you too, is there's, there's no greater satisfaction than know that you made a difference for somebody else. There just isn't, yeah. you know, and I, and it's, and I have the, I have the pleasure in the, in the, in the job I'm serving in now, um, where we have all our, our brand new recruits coming in the air force, you know, so here, here at, um, at Lackland, we have, it's, it's the only listed accession spot for the air force. And, and a lot of times they'll see me in my position and they say, hey, how do I, you know, how do I, you know, get to be you? And I tell them, hey, I've got all the stripes. I, I've, I've got a lot of awards, but I can tell you what I would tell you is any place that, that you're asked to serve, just make a difference to that team that you're in. Mm. And, and, yeah. and you can fast forward the clock 20 years. And the thing that's going to matter to you is not the stripes on your sleeve or the awards in your cabinet. It's when they give you a phone call. Or when they send you an email 20 years later and tell you, I, you know, I, those, those times, those memories meant the world to me. Like there's nothing that will bring you greater satisfaction. Totally. I, think I, I wish I knew that, you know, back then I, I, it's not that, um, it's not that I necessarily have regrets of how I, how I acted or anything back then, but just, I think for what I was searching for and trying to prove something to somebody else or try to try to prove that I was worth something. Cause I still, I still had questions, you know, back then about that, you know, cause I, I didn't get, I didn't get those positive strokes growing up. Yeah. And I just, I just didn't. So, uh, yeah, but, but now I, just, I, now I just try to share that whenever I can, um, you know, whether up and comers. Yeah. I try to do the same thing, but you know, when we're young, we don't really pay attention to that kind of stuff. Right. Because that's the old, yeah, that's, that's, that's the old man talking, you know, Some, I mean, somebody was definitely telling me that and I probably just, yeah. yeah blocked them out. Yeah. And if you're in the military, it's like, oh, yeah, yeah. You know, back in the day, they used to call us a lifer or whatever, you know, you're just a lifer, you know, you're stuck in this, Hey, that's not me. You know, that's, you know, whatever, but you can see it because we've been down this path. We can actually see it in others. And we're trying to let them know that you got to you know, slow down, smell the roses, make sure you're putting the right things in the priority, you know, and, and in my case, you know, even when I was in the military, 
I aspired to be the command sergeant major of the army. I mean, not command sergeant, sergeant major of the army, or but a command sergeant major or sergeant major of the army. And so it was one of these things where I started realizing later in life that I had put a label on something all along my journey that I felt like would I, I would have achieved something at that point, not realizing that when I reached that point, I just reset again. And and it wasn't necessarily a healthy thing because I wasn't living in the moment. And, and you're yeah, shaking yeah. your head. It's, you, you, it's crazy, right? You're exactly yeah. because you're either you're like you're driven by the things in your past, or you're chasing something in the future. And when you're in that space, you're not present on where you're at right now. Yeah, um, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. And, and it is right. You're it's right. Is is after the promotion ceremony, you're, you're immediately like, okay, what's next? Yep. Uh, yeah. What's the next? Like it's it's very it's it's Okay, I want, I'm, I'm, but you don't realize inside you that's not actually what you were built to do. Um, yeah, but yeah. it was that early seed that was planted, obviously, between the two of us. And it was one of the things that we connected on uh, because somebody in our lives planted a seed that they thought was actually going to be productive in our lives. So, you know, that kind of never quit the uh, driven attitude and the whole things. And it wasn't that they were wrong because it was probably passed on to them. Like you said, maybe from their, their forefathers, you know, and stuff passed on from generation to generation to be the best, but it, though the approach maybe, um, and that there wasn't a follow through in conversation and a communication that really said, what I'm trying to say is it's okay to want to be something or want to go in a certain direction, but you also have to understand that you've got to enjoy the moments and everything that are around along the way, because it's, what's the saying? It's, um, it's not about the, um, it's not about, it's, it's about the journey, not the destination. I think it's, the oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, it's hanging in my garage. No, is it? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, but nobody said that, right? Uh, you had to read about it later on a poster and then you go, Oh, shit, okay. Yeah. If I had known that, you know, uh, but we, yeah, it's, we it's, do something it's, uh, like success is, you know, a journey, not a destination. Yeah. You know? And I, and I, I tried to translate that actually into the, the pursuit is greater than the arrival, mm. right? Like, so, and you, and you don't necessarily realize that. Like, and I've heard um, I've heard somebody else talk about it, where they'd rather push a boulder up a mountain. Like, I think there's like a I forget who the Greek like the uh, the analogy is, but you know that he's cursed to push a boulder up the mountain over and over and over again for eternity. And and uh, it's actually Jocko Willink talks about it, and he's like, yeah, I'd rather do that than get to the top of the mountain and then just sit there and stand there. He's like, I just push the boulder right back down and keep working. Like, that's what I'd rather have. <laughs> Yeah, um, it, it's funny how that works. But you know, it's too. It's funny that um, I don't know about you, but looking back on a retrospect, I felt like that's what I was constantly doing: is pushing that boulder up a mountain, not being satisfied, and then looking around and going, oh, "Okay, there's a bigger mountain over there. Let me take the boulder over there and do that again." And not realizing that when you reach the top, you you sit there and you look around and and there's nothing else. You you. You've got to be content with that, though, right? You've, you've got to be content that, okay, I've, I'm where I said I wanted to be, and I'm okay with that, and now I need to enjoy the moment and take in the air, the, the scenery, the whole thing. But instead, you know, I was at least the type of person, I would look around and go, hey, there's another mountain over there. Yeah. Let me see if I can conquer that one, you yeah. know? And I think the difference is, um, is when you learn that, that the – the real test, um, especially in leadership, is to bring others with you, is to not do it in isolation. 
because if you're if you're if you're not careful, yeah, you'll be running around, you know, pushing to this and that, but you lose a connection or paying attention to what even the needs of your team are. You know, maybe it is time to take a knee as a team, or maybe it is time to push, you know, up the next hill. But um, especially in the task of leadership, is yeah, you can get you, you need to be very very sensitive to that because because yeah, you can break your team, uh, you can lose your team, you can lose credibility in a second, and it and it does spotlight that yeah, hey, it was about you the whole time. Um, so, so I think like that's the, and, and that's where the fulfillment comes anyway, is right. when you start to see the team's success, when you start to see that other people may learn from some example that you had, I think, um, um, that's, that's the real top of the mountain anyway. Yeah. You know, it's not necessarily where you're, where you ended up. It, it, it was, did, what did people, how did, how did the environment that you were in, how did you help them in any way? How did they benefit from you? having some influence on them. Yeah. For me, I think it was uh, growing up, I didn't have the the type of father that would really acknowledge a success anyway. It was... Yeah, that was the same for me. Yeah, so that was a bit of a challenge. And so I think for me, even though I was pushing that rock up that mountain and trying to then look for the next mountain to push it up, along the way, I realized that I needed to at least, um, you know, from a leadership, from whatever a mentor is to, to let these other people know, Hey, um, you're good at what you're doing, continue doing what you, you know, you've been doing and stuff, appreciate everything you do on a daily basis and really lift them up and started seeing that, like you're mentioning, the greatest reward was watching those individuals grow and achieving success. You know, they, they pin on, you know, sergeant, or then next thing you know, they're, they're becoming a platoon sergeant, or they're becoming a first sergeant, or, you know, whatever in their own life. And I took a lot of pride in that, not because I helped them get there, but I, I felt like there must have been something that I did right during that time frame and talking with them and mentoring them and leading them. Because to your point, many of them still communicate with me on a daily basis today. Yep. Yep. And, and it's 20, 30 years ago. And it's crazy when you start thinking about that. But why didn't I, and maybe it's you too, but why didn't we see that although we were doing those things right, the other part was that we're constantly still having that driving mentality. Although we're planting a seed and a good seed with these individuals, um, maybe I wonder if I left a little bit of the bad side of being driven too much too. Or did they just look at me and go, hey, that's Robert. I'll let him keep going you know, yeah. but I'm okay. I don't know. I've never asked him, but it might be a good thing to ask him. Yeah. I, I have, um, I, I'm with you with the negative aspects, right? Like, especially when you talked about, Hey dad, it's good to have you back. Yeah. Um, that, that's something to where I wish, I wish I had known more that I wouldn't get that time back, um, that you talk about, right? Like, and, and that is the cost of service sometimes, but, um, there's a lot of times where, where it's not the military that's keeping me at work or it's just, I'm just trying to get the things done on my to-do list. I'm just trying to, you know, like, you know, I see that somebody needs help and, and, you know, I feel like I've, I've just got to be there for them. And I, and I think in a way maybe that's because, um, I did like it when, when somebody would say, Hey, you know, that, that made a difference to me. Um, but I just, you know, the, the painful thing that I just didn't realize at the time was there are other, there were other sergeants, in the air force that could have done that. Yeah. There's no, there's only one dad for my kids. Yeah. There's only one, I'm the only, you know, husband to my wife and at least, at least, um, you know, that doesn't always hold true though. Right. Like there's, there's, you see plenty of cases in, in other military families where that, 
that doesn't hold true where the family just kind of gets, gets, gets tired of, of not being felt like they're, uh, number one. And, and, uh, I, I'm very, very thankful that, uh, that actually it's, it's interesting. I got put on a staff assignment, a staff job before I kind of woke up to it. And at first I was kind of frustrated, right? Cause I was like, Hey man, no, you guys aren't moving fast enough. You know, like, you know, we're supposed to be getting stuff done. And like, cause the pace of staff work is just different yeah. than, than frontline ops. But then I, I had to kind of face the music on like, man, okay, I have not dated my spouse, you know, just created, even though it's not the volume of time with my kids, I just didn't necessarily block and make them the priority. And, uh, and I think it was because I was just so, I was so driven. I, and it wasn't necessarily, I thought for, you know, negative means I thought being, I thought that was taking care of my family. Like mm-hmm. I had told myself that I had told myself that, that I'm doing this. And I generally was, I thought like the better that I do on the, on the military side, like it, it's for them. I'll provide more for them. Um, but, but yeah, I, I, uh, I, I try to share that as much as I can too, that, that you got to be able to still create the moments, like you said with them. And, uh, there's a pretty cool story actually with my, with my daughter and I was on a, it was on a job where I was on the road about 200 days a year. And, and I had heard, uh, um, the secretary of the air force, actually, she spoke about this and about creating moments, even though you won't have a ton of them. So I, I, on the way back, I got a, a ticket, um, a couple tickets to her, my daughter's favorite, um, artist. It was an eight hour drive. So I land in Virginia, um, the, I was supposed to get back the night before, but then the, the, um, connected flight got delayed to the next morning. So then it's a mad dash. I, I, I pull her out of school. It's on a Friday. We drive up to Philadelphia. We barely make the concert. And then, uh, um, I mean, and then phenomenal night. I get lost in Philadelphia and we're in this big giant roundabout. And then my daughter like jumps out of the car and I'm like, where is she going? And it's, we're right at the, the, the steps of the, uh, art museum where, uh, the Rocky film, the Rocky steps. Oh yeah. She just runs up the steps. It's like 12, it's like 12 at night. And I just left the car right there. I run up the steps with her. We get to the top and there was a homeless man and he was playing the Rocky anthem, right? Like it's this, it's this, like the, the trumpet right yeah. on a trumpet. And we're staring on the skyline of Philadelphia, you know, uh, a dad and his, and his beautiful daughter. And, uh, and yeah. And then, you know, we, we woke up the next morning, eight hour drive back, but like those, that 48 hour period is like a memory that, man, it's, it's just, uh, it was so powerful and, and we can create more moments of that, right? We can, yeah. it's the reason why, it's the reason why they give us leave in the first place. And, and, um, I had a, I had a, a boss of mine, you know, use or lose leave. Mm-hmm. Right. So, you know, so many of us, us leaders are, 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 are guilty of, if you look at the use or lose, um, tracker, like, is everybody, you know, as, as it resets on the fiscal years, for those of you who don't necessarily out there who don't know how this works, but you know, as September ends and everything, you start tracking that. And it's traditionally all the leaders in the organization. So he looked around the table one time, he put in a staff meeting and he said, Hey, for all you people with use or lose out there, it says one of two things. It says one, you either, you don't trust your people or you suck at time management. Wow. It's so profound, right? right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like it, and it, it, it's just truth. It is. You know what I mean? Like there's no other reason for that, but, um, but you know, those co- combined events, I try to as much as I can block them and put red lines up. So that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a great story. Um, because I think as much as we want to 
give everything to our family. I think you're tr uh, so right in that during our time of being driven and wanting to be successful and stuff, we think we're doing all the right things. We're thinking that by, you know, working hard and that means that that's how we're contributing to our family. That's probably the role model that was given to us that, you know, you know, even back in the day, you work out in the field, you provide for your family, you know, you do all those different things. And so it's the same thing. And we forget along the way, um, like I shared with you a story, you know, of, of my son-in-law, you forget along the way where, where they all of a sudden go, hey, it's just good to have you back. It's good to have you back in reality and being more of yourself and, you know, checked in rather than checked out. And I had a point uh, where almost similar, I had staff that was uh, on the uh, West Coast and I'm on the East Coast. And they would always have their phones nearby. I would too. And all of a sudden, I'd see an email that would come across. It's 8 o'clock at night. You know, back then it was the BlackBerry. It had a little red light that would start blinking and let you know that, hey, you got a message here. So I'd pick it up because I saw the red, little red light. And it was, you know, telling me that I needed to take an action. So it was training me along my journey. Yeah. And so I'd pick it up and I'd go, oh, okay, there's an email. I can answer that. Yes, do that. Um, 10 o'clock tomorrow, we'll make a call, blah, blah, blah. Something really quick, set it down. And my wife would go, what did, what did you just do? I go, I just answered an email real quick. And she goes, yeah, but why? I go, mm -hmm. I don't know. It was, you know, I saw I had an email. Yeah, and, do it. yeah people so. Are count, people are counting on me. That's yeah. right, right. So, so the next day, it it kind of like hit me and I go, you know what? Um, in my staff call, I said, I don't care what time it is that you check out. Um, I don't care if it's six o'clock, seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, set a time on your calendar where you're going to check out and be with your family and you're not going to have your Blackberry on, put it in another room. And I started taking mine and leaving it in the kitchen so that I wouldn't even see it. Right. Cause I figured if I didn't see it, you know, and I didn't get up like when I went to get me a drink. I tried not to look at it. It was so tempting to see it sitting there and want to pick it up. And I started realizing that um, that helped me with my family. And I wanted to pass on that same thing to my subordinate leaders. And I also told them that if you if you see my email that comes across at seven o'clock, maybe I haven't checked out yet, but it doesn't mean you have to react. Mm -hmm. Don't think. So you're trying to really as a leader, right? You're trying to create a culture that says that taking leave, taking vacation is okay. It's it's a right, not a privilege. So take advantage of it because when you don't, it shows that you're not being an effective leader because you're not leading by example. Yeah. And so I think that's where we're missing the boat, right? When we are too driven. How, but how much did they talk to you in the army? How much did they like teach this in your in your professional military education? They didn't. They didn't. Yeah, right. Like I, I look back, and I'm like, man, this is the stuff they should have been talking about. Right. Right. Like, here's what you do. Like, when you come back from a deployment, uh, you better just totally be in support mode, right? Like, you, you better not like. There's, you try to come back in and like, hey, when I left, this is like, you just need to shut up and figure out where you fit in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, same thing. Like the 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 portion when you go home, you know, like another golden nugget that someone told me is a lot of times. You, you leave work, the friends you work, and then maybe you just put on some music on the way home. And, and you know, and then when you walk in the door, you haven't necessarily transitioned your thoughts to your new role. Yeah. You know, oh, like, good point. You know, like, and, and so like I had this, this guy said one time, he's like, he just puts the car on total silence. And then he starts thinking about the most important job he has anyway. Right. Like what, what happened in my kids' lives that day? What's going on with my spouse? You know, what do I need to, do I need to talk to him about a big test they had? Do I need to talk to him about like, you know, an event that's coming up or, you know, a vacation that they're planning, whatever that is versus, oh, God, let me tell you about this freaking crap that happened at work today. Like, 
you finally don't want to hear that, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, but and I wish they taught this stuff right no. before you realize, like, from all the stumbling and mistakes. Yeah, totally. Maybe, maybe you wouldn't listen anyway. I don't know. <laughs> Probably not, but you're absolutely correct. I mean, because we're establishing a culture where whether we realize it or not, and that's kind of what we were talking about at the very beginning, that if you're so driven and you're not taking care of your people, they're going to recognize that you're passing on a culture. If you're a person that's not taking vacation, they feel like if they don't do the same thing and they don't emulate you, that they're not an effective leader or you're going to see them the same way. Um, you know, so there's a pattern here that's going on. And right now, during difficult times where people are working from home, I can tell you when I first transitioned from working from home, because I had staff in so many different locations after I got out of the military, it, it didn't make sense for me to go to an office somewhere because most of my staff here in the Atlanta area, I didn't have any staff, I should say, in the Atlanta area. I had staff somewhere else. So I was just going to an office to, to be an office, you know, and it just didn't make sense. It, it was not cost effective. So when I started working from home, the most challenging fact was that I had to check out and you have the long ride. You have the you appreciate it then, right? You appreciate that thirty minutes, that hour, or whatever that you make the commute because you have the the ability to decompress and to to walk in the door fresh. But when you work from home, you take that with you when you walk right out of your office, that bedroom you call an office, that room, yeah. you know. And especially if your office space happens to be the kitchen table, the bar. Um, right. And those types of things, because you're, I, I end up having, first I had an office in a bedroom that was right off the kitchen. That didn't work. So then I, w I took it upstairs because I had an upstairs in the house and that didn't work uh, because it was still a place that it felt like house. But we finished the basement, a section of the basement. And when I did, I put my office down there. And the only time I went into that space was to work. Mm -hmm. So it, it never was a crossing time you know it was a zone difference but sometimes i felt like going out the back door getting in my car driving around the block coming in the front door and go, hey honey i'm home you know just just to kind of again to yeah. cut it off and yeah. it, and during these times you know with the, the coronavirus and stuff like that where a lot of staff are working from home these can be very challenging times to be a parent with kids now going back to school um you're focusing on work People tend to work longer hours when they work from home. They think it's going to be easier, but you tend to work longer because you can't disconnect. Yeah, It's it's really challenging as a leader. And to your point, this is the time where you have to speak up and go, hey, guys, it's okay to chill out. Yeah. Yeah, I think the you know, first thing you have to do is just acknowledge it, right? And and um, and, and say it openly. Like that that puts the team at peace a little bit too. Say, hey, I'm, I'm struggling with the same things as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I think, you know, we've even talked about we had a – um, a key spouse meeting the other day and I thought it was such a phenomenal point. You know, we have one of the spouses on there. She has a master's in education and she's got, I think, uh, I want to say an eight year old and a 10 year old. And for the first time ever, she's going to like, she's got to try to homeschool them, you know, teach them at home. Like that so many other families are facing. And she was sitting down with her kids and saying, Hey, you know, I actually have a degree in this. Like, um, <laughs> I'm not just a mom. Her, yeah. <laughs> her kid, the, the kids were like, you're not a teacher, right? Like, <laughs> like, because like the roles, right? When you're away, like yeah. there's a whole different mindset and, and, you know, and, and then who knows what they think work looks like at work. Right. Right. But when it's, when it's at home, they're just like, oh, what are you doing down there? Are you just messing around? They're like, no, I'm actually working. Like it's, you know, and, <laughs> right. and, and it, it, it is just, it's so weird about all this time, but the main thing you do is just, just communicate and just have a discussion and, and, uh, you know, it's okay to say, Hey, I'm struggling. It's okay to say, 
hey, I, I didn't get that done in the way that I wanted to. And 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 I, I that's that's the biggest thing that I've been thinking about is as as schools try to open up and whatever that looks like. And his families try to adjust. And then as we move into the holidays, you know, that there's just always kind of trying to be understanding of how does that impact our families and how do you how do you take away any any layer of that stress that you can. Um, and some of it is just make sure they don't handle it alone. Right. So that's shared across the community so they can lift each other up. They had actually an interesting idea about like switching kids in other homes. You know, you have kids yourself. Yes, too. Yeah. yeah right. Like you said, so. So I don't know how many times you, you would tell your child one thing, and then when they heard a neighbor say it, they were like, "Oh, that was brilliant!" Yeah. Like, that was, yeah. You know, <laughs> and I think the same thing holds true. Like you could yeah. just move kids because the, the, you those roles, like teacher, um, coach, you know, yeah. parent, they're they're different, and, sure. and it's really tough to play those. You can't like flip a switch, especially when you're dealing with, dealing with children. Yeah. So sometimes it's better to hear, have them hear it from somebody else. Well, that's what brings back uh, to the uh, point you had a few minutes ago about deployments and stuff like that, walking back in the door and understanding what your role is. I think, too, if, you, if you're listening to this and you're, whether you just came back from a deployment or not, if you listen and really pay attention and open your eyes and ears when you walk back into the house every day after work and take note of what's going on, is how much are you a part of what's, what's happening right there? Yeah. And and you're gonna you're gonna know it because either they're engaging you uh, in the conversation or they're just seeing you sitting there and you're not part of it. So then you got to think, all right, do, I need to assert myself, insert myself into that situation as much as I can to talk about you know to my kid um, who's talking about a difficult day maybe at school or you know something that happened or something like that on the field and you know baseball, football, whatever sport they're playing. Well, then how much am I engaging in that conversation or is it just my wife? You know, is it just my spouse? And um, so, you know, it's the same thing. When you come back from deployment, usually the best thing to do is shut up for a little bit of time because you can't insert yourself and be the father role once again. You weren't the father role for six months, you know. And as painful as it is, that's just the truth. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean they don't want you in that role, but you just got to realize that those duties were shifted elsewhere and you got to kind of almost ask for permission at times to, Hey, can I help with this? Hey, can I, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but maybe you need to start doing that anyway. Right. Because maybe it is that you're not in deployment, but you just have been checked out so much that role has shifted to the, the other spouse. And you've got to recognize that and start slowly inserting yourself into the role that you are, which is the father. Yeah. 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 Cause they had, they had their own battle to fight, right? Like they, you know, and, um, you know, it is kind of the same principles, right? You like you, uh, you have to just kind of realize that they they were given the task. It's like a it's like a, a commander, right? They were given the so much resources. They had an objective, and they had to move out. And you definitely don't want to come in and start playing armchair quarterback. Um, you know, with how they how they fought the battle at home. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah, certainly not. I remember um, what was it when I when I came back from Korea? I was gone for for a year. And that was actually part of the hardest time on our um, our marriage was I was in Korea for a year and then uh, came back. We went to Germany and it was, I remember on the on the plane ride going across the Atlantic, you know, like the kids were I mean, they were pretty young and they were like making a bunch of noise. And, and it was on the plane. And everybody's looking at us. And my wife is like passed out sleeping. Right. Like good, good sleep. And I was like, 
I was like, hey, 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 honey, honey, the kids are crying. And she, remember, she just looked up at me and she was like, welcome home. Right. Like it was, it was like, <laughs> yeah, totally. Welcome home. Right. Like and she just went right back to sleep. Right. Yeah. Like, was, yeah. like, and what do you want was, me to do? Yeah. Yeah. What do you want me to do? Right. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right. Got it. Yeah. Um, but uh, when we got over to, to Germany, um, four months later, I deployed for seven months. And that was, that you know, so you're given out of out of 24 months, I was gone for 19. That was that was that second time gone. That was the hardest. That would absolutely was. And um, but I think you're I think you're right. Is um, you have to you have to recognize like you don't wear those stripes walking in the door. Like you don't because because everybody at work will like oh whatever you say whatever you, you know, and and you can fool yourself you know in such a major way that really sets everything up for failure. I, I think the point you talk about the cell phone and. Uh, and, and if you pause and realize how much are you really part of what's going on, what's interesting is your kids, like it's it's funny, like we have puppies right now and they're they're uh, they're about a year and a half old. When when I come home, it like reminds me when my kids were young, like yeah. they're the, I'm the most important thing in the world to those puppies, and it used to be that way to my kids, but as they get older, you know, your kids will realize when you come home, do they feel the most important thing to you? And especially like, especially if if this is you pick this up. And they're trying to talk to you and you're like, hey, just a minute. Hey, something came up. Hey, this and that. They will go find other things to do. Yep. And then, and then when you want to go connect with them, then you get all upset because you're like, hey, you know, I wanted to. Yeah. So you yeah, just put the phone down here. Let's talk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put the phone down. Oh, well, dad, what about you? You know what I mean? Right. And in your mind, you try to fool yourself. Well, I was doing work stuff, right? Like that's more important than you playing, right. you know, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but it's not. It's it's the same thing. Yeah. Okay? You're at your home. So, um. I think that 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 yeah, you got to kind of take your bumps. Um, you gotta you gotta, it's maybe not how you like it, but just um, just work your way through that and and just continue to make them the most important thing. Isn't it also a little bit going back to what your boss that you mentioned in one of the meetings talked about is time management? Because what we're really talking about here is creating the right culture. You know, yeah. and in removing those things that are not necessarily healthy, like you know, driven is okay in moderation. Yeah. You know. Um, it's, everything's good in, in some sense of moderation, but when it comes to time management, it's really making sure that you're giving the right time to work, the right time to the family, you know, the right time to yourself, you know, your, your own time. You need to have that moment where you read a book or you meditate or you just kind of check out. And so your, your kids need their space and their time to do that. Your spouse does as well. And it's understanding you know, what everybody's role is in this whole thing, what everybody's time and space is. But also I think the time management is so critical because, you know, if you're an individual that still is working seven, eight, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock at night, I'm going to tell you right now, you're on the wrong path. You're, yeah. you're, you're thinking you're working hard. You're thinking that you're making, yeah. you know, your uh, bosses. No, where, where you're headed is not what you, no. what, you th- what you think is at the end of that rainbow is not what you it's think not, it is. It's not, it's so. not. Yep. And, and, and people will say, yeah, but you know, I'm in the military. I don't have the luxury of being able to decide when my time is appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Sure. There's going to be situations that you're absolutely right. The command is going to dictate those. Yeah. You and I are not talking about a one-time night. Yeah. Yeah. That's not what we're talking about. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, that's, that's the whole thing is that they use that as an excuse. Oh, well, you know, I've got an important job here. You know, I mean, it's different. You know, I'm in, I'm in the soft community or I'm, you know, no, it's all the same. It doesn't really matter what your job, your MOS is. 
you do have some control, but the thing is, no matter what control that you do have, how much of that are you taking advantage in the right place? So like, you know, when your, your family knows the difference. Oh, absolutely. They, they, they absolutely know the difference. Yep. And, and if you would pause and think about it, you do too. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that's painful. But it's it's painful to face. Yeah, it is because, because. Yeah, you, you'll try to like justify. You'll start this 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 two things in your shoulders, right? Like this one side is telling you, "Oh, but you're doing it for your country." Oh, but there's people counting on you, right? Like you're, you're like, but you're important. But, yeah, yeah, you're important. <laughs> but you know as much as I do that that seat we sit in, uh, that position we occupy, we hand that baton off to somebody else. It's temporary. Yeah. And then what are you going to have left over? You're only going to have those relationships, and if you haven't nurtured them. They're, they're probably not going to be where you want them to be. Wait, so are you saying, Blaze, that everything is not going to fail when I walk out the door? It's not going to... When I change commands yeah, and PCS... As important as we think we are. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but it's so true. It is the beautiful design of the system, though. It yeah, is. it is. Yeah, but it's it's one of those things that the culture of that obviously still sticks around within the military today because it's been bred and passed on. So in most cases... People who are becoming leaders want to follow or emulate somebody that had trained them. And so maybe good or bad, that's their role model that they're going to use. So if you've set the wrong example, unfortunately, you've now planted a seed in subordinates that are going to probably end up using that same style of leadership as they move forward. Yeah, but Robert, I think that's the, I think that's the good thing that's happening now is, um, you know, even even this, right? This this form that that now you can have where people have visibility and can see the more human side of people can because because I remember I used to look up and be like, oh, you got to be perfect. Oh, you got to you got to that's what it takes. You know, you got to work all those long hours. And now I think like there's just a greater opportunity for people to even talk about their struggles, their failures for for families um, to share things um, with people who are younger and or, or earlier in their journey um, because of the, you know, the 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 media and the platforms that we have out there. Um, that's what does excite me is, is there's, there's an opportunity. And even now with COVID, I mean, there's webcasts and stuff all over the place. So you, you necessarily don't have to wait for your own, um, terrible experience. Um, you, you can kind of learn from someone else. And that's why people, you know, take in books, right. To learn lessons from people in the past. So that's what, that's what kind of does excite me a little bit. And we are talking about this very topic a lot more. We are talking about, there's a lot, there's a lot of difference, there's a big difference in productivity and someone just who's working the longest day. Oh, right. I, I, like, yes, it used to be we would measure like, oh, who, you know, that person working 12 hours a day or 16 hours a day. Those are the real hard charger. Yeah. Hard chargers. Yep. No, but like on Monday, all they do is talk about fantasy football like those yeah. people. And then they wouldn't even start working until, you know, later on at night. Right. Um, right. They would just walk around. And then there's other people that just get in and make it happen, you know, make time count. Um, but we're having these we're having these conversations, I think, a lot more openly and a lot more on a flat level. Uh, and I think that's only going to it's only going to help, you know, but you, um, you know, getting your lean and six sigma training through the Air Force, I think it probably helped you from a metric standpoint to evaluate productivity, whereas some of the general leaders 
may not evaluate it the same way because all they can do is focus on how much time people are actually contributing to whatever the mission it was only is. it was their only key performance it, it was metric, one metric right, right? time it was one metric yeah. yeah and so now though your eyes are open you know because as you start as you mentioned getting some additional training and in your case in mine it was lean six sigma it could be just reading a book or something like that you begin to pick up a different set of tools where you can measure people differently and and you understand that time is only one data point one mm -hmm. data set so what else are you doing how are you attacking um, the issues that are coming your way um, are you allowing time to dictate that or are you really managing through it are you delegating uh, are you doing you know and so that's where you're like you're talking about you're really trying to shape the entire leader you're, you're trying to mold that individual to understanding all the pieces that come into what a good leader really is um, yeah. which is great i think it needs to be more in the military um, than what it certainly was in the past because we didn't have that good role model. Uh, and it, w it wasn't that I didn't have good role models. I think it was just people who were leading based on the example of what they were taught, you know, and um, there were some great traits and great things that I took away from some of those uh, leaders that during that time frame. but I learned a whole lot by just observing and seeing that those weren't the best ways to lead as well. Yeah. You know? I, I think it was, it was, it felt it was, um, always leadership by force, by power, um, yeah. versus intrinsically trying to motivate somebody or, or build a connection with them. And, and that's another thing I think too, is, you know, accountability is a lot higher now too. So you didn't have access to kind of see or report or, or even fact check somebody like you can now, you know, I know for a second, I have a conversation with somebody, they're going on the internet two seconds later to see if what I said was right. <laughs> Right, yeah. like there's, it's true. It used to be just like do it because I told you to do, or yeah. oh yeah, you know that was what the sergeant major said, right? The chief yeah. said it. it must be right. Um, so you, you kind of it, it's good for you as well, but I think uh, you know to to your point, it's um, leadership has evolved. Also, the world has evolved, um, and and I, I think is that it, it, you have to make sure too in the in the in the concept of being driven. If you're driven to to help and serve others, then you'll you'll head where you need to. If you're driven to, hey, this is what I do, this is how I operate, and if you don't get on, like, yeah, get on board, yeah, yeah, you're right. If you don't get on board, that we're gonna have issues, right? Then then yeah, that's uh, you're probably driving in a in a direction where you might not like. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's not just or or, or it'll catch up with you. Well, like, I was gonna say it's not just there. Yeah, yeah. It'll also be in the household, too, because you may be doing that same thing when you walk in the door and you feel like that's the attitude. Hey, I'm the father figure when I walk in the door. This is my job. And if you don't get on board with it, you get out of my house, you know, type of thing. It's that kind of approach. So, you know, however we're leading or however we're adjusting and stuff here, um, I think, you know, being driven again within moderation, there's nothing wrong with it. Each and every person you want to have people on your team that really are driven, who want to be the best at whatever they can be. There's no doubt about it. That's that's the kind of individual. But at the same token, you want them to understand that it's not the end-all, be-all, that there's more to life here. And not only that, but if you're in a senior leader role, you're actually having the opportunity to cast a shadow uh, with the individuals that you're leading. And what kind of shadow are you casting? Are you making a great impression? Are you leading them with tools and, and with things that then uh, as a mentor that they can take or a coach that they can take on and use in their own leadership, you know, and through their own teams and stuff. And so those little lessons and those times where you have 
where you have a leader that sits there and says, hey, how many of my leaders here actually have use or lose situations? Hey, how many of you have 400 emails right now in your inbox and you complain you can't control your day? Yeah. You know, what we're talking here is time management. You got a time management problem. Yeah, yeah, big time. And I, I uh, you know, there's so much from that. I think, you know, even our analogy, we're talking about getting to the top of the mountain. You know, really like the, the thing you're driven for, is, it should be team success. And, you know, my, my current boss, he talks about the rock and chair test, right? So when you're in a rock and chair you know, and, and, and your grandkids run up in your lap, what will you tell them about? I think what you what you want to tell them about is when you look at all the people you work with, it would feel much better if you could look around and all of them um, reached higher, went higher than you did, mm. right? If you could look around at whatever perch you were on or whatever place you got to, if you could look all around and all the people that, that you were charged to supervise, if they reached a higher destination than you did, um, versus the other way around, right? Like, um, I, I I think that that's important too. And I, and I, I going back to kind of the driven part. One thing I'm extremely thankful for is, you know, my grandfather was driven. Um, he was driven by pain that he could handle. Um, he lost his his twin sister and his best friend in a car accident. Uh, he walked away, and they were killed inside the car. And that was when he was in his young twenties. My grandma said he was never the same after that. Um, I think he was driven by that. I think he was driven by when he was in the Marine Corps and um, most of his his platoon all went to Korea and many of them didn't come back. And I think he was driven by guilt that he because he got injured in, in basic training, basically, or in training. Um, he was driven by that that guilt and he lost a lot of it in the bottle. But I am I am really, really thankful, though, is he was there was never he was always a good man inside of there that I also got to see. Mm-hmm. And then my grandma, you know, she taught me how to, how to, I think I didn't realize at the time, but she was just, she was always so loving. Right. So the, the counterbalance to that, that I'm extremely thankful for is she showed me like that, that love is, is really the biggest bond and the biggest thing that you can do um, to, cause if, cause if you're just, if you're disconnected or you're, or you're just um, uncompassionate, to, to another human being, um, then things can really get sideways. And, and I, you know, when I reflect on it, I, I look at those two kind of forces and, and that is, that is, you know, you, you are a reflection of those who I think, especially earlier on who mold you. And, uh, and I look at that and that's pretty important. And you talk about time. It, the most important thing is to make, you know, don't count time, make time count, right? Like whatever moment you have. And I've been telling people too, you know, this is kind of the Kobe Bryant lesson from this year. People thought Kobe was going to be around for a lot longer. And, and he was big on that too. If you even look at, he changed his number to 24 cause he believed in that too. You know, he was the first guy up in the morning. He was always working on basics. And, um, I, I think is that that's the, the, the biggest thing we all can kind of look at is, is, and you talked about it earlier is, you know, don't be so worried about the opposite ends. Just, just focus on the moment you're in and being present that moment, whoever might be in front of you or around you. I think that's the, be driven for that. Um, I, I think that's I, I think that's something we can all try to inspire to keep focusing on. Blaze, thanks for coming on the show. Really appreciate you uh, you coming on and sharing your story because I think uh, this is an important topic. Whether you're a leader or just a, an individual that's going through life on a daily basis, there's so many lessons that we've talked about here. And sometimes, like we talked about, you don't realize it until you're our age and you start looking back and going, "Oh crap, man! I wish I would have listened to to somebody who was saying that." So listen to it. You know, pay attention to it and I appreciate you coming on and saying it. 
Yeah, Robert, it's a pleasure again. And I, uh, I don't know if you heard this quote from uh, Jim Carrey. It was pretty good. He, you know, Jim Carrey's been pretty successful, and he said, "Hey, I wish, I wish everybody in the world had a chance to, you know, have all the money they ever dreamed of, the biggest house they ever could have, have all the wealth, and then only to realize none of that mattered in the first place." Wow. Yeah, I just Spot heard off. that. I heard just for the last week, but uh, hey, thanks again, man. This has been great to to connect with you, and I and, and like you said, I hope somebody, uh, uh, I hope somebody gets something out of it. Yeah.